Good morning. Hello, everyone out there in Radio Land. I'm just kidding. That should be only your mom right now. Is it? Okay, she hasn't shown up yet. All right. So speaking of her mom, Carmen is having some continued pain from her surgery. Okay, and something about stitches and burning sensation, and it's easier to stay put with her foot up or whatever it is. So. She's supposed to for two weeks anyways. That sounds like Carmen, or also a mother. Um, so, uh, Father, we just ask for your healing touch to be upon her foot in the name of Jesus. So right now as we start Sunday school, they are in the midst of church in First Fruits. That's the name of the church in English. I don't know what it is in Portuguese. Pastor Luciano and Anna's church and... Monica just sent a short video of their worship time. So they've changed their stage again. I thought that was interesting. So um, so the trip in Brazil is ongoing, almost done, but it surely seems to be a very fantastic trip. Um, I think it was, I mean, an apostolic trip in so many ways because there are people there that are already... Um, really devoted to the Lord, praying, worshiping, following hard after God. So those people are apostolically, I think, being established, and they're going to be sent forth into the nation of Brazil. Um, but there are many new churches that, that have joined. I can't name them all because I don't, not, first of all, I don't know them all. Second of all, I don't know them all. Um, but there, there was a, a conference that happened as well. Um, called the Zion Conference, which I think was attached to a church called Zion Church. So, and we've met some of these pastors, but not all of them, like the pastor from the Agape, hmm, I can't remember the name. Anyway, Pastor Pei, Abba Pei, I don't know. Anyway, so <clears throat> lots of stuff that I don't understand in Portuguese, but very neat trip, it sounds like beyond neat, but totally filled with what God needed to do in that place, you know, at this time. And so, so much, there's just so many things going on all over the world and, and so much going on in Central and South America. So there's continued issues in different places. And it's just a wonderful thing that God is still moving. He will never stop. So um, the... The title of this teaching is, is Wilderness, and this is actually a scripture that I received yesterday on behalf of Brazil, and I was pondering it like I do sometimes, but I was looking at it and trying to relate how it really applies to the nation and how it applies to us, but we know, uh, we know a lot about the wilderness. We have a better understanding of the wilderness now than we used to, right? And and I'm just going to say, start this also by saying, everything happens for a reason. Everything. So if you think something's going on and it's not related to this or that, it's always related to God, please know that everything happens for his reason. He has a reason for the occurrences that are going on. So um, I was also looking at this. We've talked about wilderness, but it's been a while. 
It's been a little while since we've talked about it. Um, so it's kind of a, a re-teaching myself, understanding, remembering wilderness, but all the things that go with it and apply with it. So we know from just normal everyday life, if you're in a wilderness, it's, it's a desolate place. It could be, it could be like deserty. Uh, it could be in the middle of the woods with no, like what we would call resources. And yet there are resources, but you know, the wilderness can be defined as many things. And, and, and also they translate wilderness and desert the same way in the Old Testament when, when they're referring to whoever's in the wilderness and the desert and all that. We can, we can relate to the people that we know in the scripture that have been in the wilderness, like Moses and the nation of Israel, wandered around the desert for 40 years. We can relate to Abraham. Well, he probably was Abram at that time, but about where he was, where he was supposed to be, but how he would call things into being as though they are. And that was at the very beginning of him leaving the comfort of wherever Abram was, where it was comfortable and moving to a new place, which had, you know, Sodom and Gomorrah and he went right and he went left and all of those, those things. All these, these are big things that actually happen in, in the desert. I mean, they really are. We can talk about Moses in the burning bush. If we would like to do that, we could also talk about that. How about John the Baptist and his calling? He was always in the wilderness. He was the one crying out, the one crying out in the wilderness, prepare you the way of the Lord. And then we can also talk about Jesus. His very first temptation was in the wilderness. That's where the, the Holy Spirit, it says, drove him. Drove him into the wilderness and dropped him off. Um, you know, so a, a lot of things happen there. You look up wilderness in the scripture, and it's like a lot of occurrences. I wasn't going to read all of them. I just got these two. <laughs> but it's, it's just the connection between wilderness and opportunities to, to grow, align, be prepared for what's happening is there. And when you read all of it in context and you look, then look at the definition of wilderness, then you can really see a bigger definition of wilderness, right? So in the wilderness, you're either going to overcome or be overcome. Of that of overcome. Hello, Annette. Or be overcome. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> let's see. What else in the wilderness? Um, oh, it's usually an undeveloped and even uninhabited place by, I'm going to say normal people, by people. Who is in the wilderness? We are. That's where we want to be. And it sounds wrong. But it's right, <laughs> because the wilderness is where sons have the opportunity to not only grow, but understand words that the Father is delivering to us to speak forth. So, Josiah, come get the microphone and read the first scripture, please. You don't have to yell, though. Well, don't go sit down. No, because you're going to give the microphone back to her. So stand up right there and read the word of the Lord. 
Psalm 63, 1 through 2. A Psalm of David, when he was in the wilderness of Judah. O God, thou art my God, early I will seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee, my flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. Where, where no water is. There we go. <laughs> to see thy power and thy glory, so as I have seen thee in sanctuary. In Thank the you. sanctuary. Thank you, Josiah. Give the microphone back to Safta. Thank you, sir. You'll be back up later to read the other one, okay? okay. All right. Thank you, sir. Um, when the first thing I want you to notice, well, there's lots of things I want you to notice, but one of the things I want you to notice is there's two times the word thirsty or version thereof is mentioned in scripture. If you got a pen and you care to do that, I want you to either underline it or make a note because those are two different words. I sometimes wonder, why do we spend time? No, I don't really. I love to study. So when you study this kind of scripture, you realize this is two different meanings. And it's not the same word. But we didn't have a way to distinguish between thirsty and thirsty in our lovely English language. And yet, there's two different words in Hebrew. We're going to look at that. So this is a Psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. So David was often in the wilderness because he was running away a lot of the times. No, not a lot, but he was running away quite a bit. And then when he did a lot of his battle, there was battling between him and name one of the ites. He, um, you know, he was often in places like a desert or, you know, like a wilderness. So he had a lot to say because in the wilderness, he had a lot to learn. He also had a lot to hear from the Lord. So when you look at the word wilderness, most people, and you know, just reading the definition of wilderness, it's not a bad place. It's not a, a dreary place to be. It's not a terrible place to be, and yet lots of people related to that. Being in the desert, being in a dry, dry place. You know, even as my I walk in my walk with the Lord, there's been times when I have been what I would call in a dry place. And it's like, I just don't know, I can't hear, I don't know what's going on, what's going on, Lord? Because you know what? When you're devoted to the Lord, your whole life needs to be centered around Him. Right? Our life has to be centered around Him. His life is not, you know, it's not the other way around. It has to be Him first in everything. And it's taken me a while to get to that place. But here in this place of being a house of prayer, a place of intercession on behalf of what God is doing and being willing to go to places he needs me to go to help establish his kingdom. And it's not the rah, rah, re part of it. It's more of you have more to life than just coming to church on Sunday. And that's what God's establishing around the world. It's more than just a one day event. Did you want to say something? So everybody travels differently how they get here. But here we are. We're in this place. Josiah, are you okay? All right, just check it. <laughs> so we're in this place. So when you look at wilderness, it's usually something people talk about a time of testing. It actually really is a time of testing. But it's not the way people present it. 
It's not like you've done something bad, so you're in the wilderness. So now you have to fix yourself before you can get out. It's more of a, hey, we need to do this. I need you to align this part of your heart with me because we need to move forward. So the wilderness can mean a season of struggle. It can absolutely it can mean that. And, it, and it's usually because you're on a path to a designated place, a place that God has set for you to get to. It's not a place that we have to hurry to get through. It's also not a place where we have to endure. And yet we do. We do need to endure and we don't need to stop. We need to continue. We also look at wilderness as being that seal a moment, that time between the promise that God gives you, speaks to you for a place or even yourself and the time that that is fulfilled. And it can feel like there's nothing going on. And if you've ever been to a desert, there's, there's, there's nothing going on that you can see. That's right. There's just, just nothing. Only been to one desert. There was nothing there. Fly over Arizona. You see lots of desert. There's nothing there. <laughs> and so it, but it's, but we know better now, right? We know better this to, to look with our eyes and see with our eyes and go, there's nothing going on. And that's the same way in, in this world. Look at all the stuff that's going on that we can see, that we hear. But in the spirit, we can see and we can hear that God is moving, that God is doing something. So it's, it's a, actually a very powerful place where we move in his authority and his power on behalf of what he is doing. And if we're not paying attention, we're going to feel like there's nothing going on. So far, so good. Go ahead, Vicki. Well, you know, we, we consider ourselves in the army of God. So if you're in the army of God, you have to look at everything as an opportunity to overcome. Absolutely. And that's really what the wilderness is. It's always an opportunity to overcome or to subdue something, whether it's in yourself or whether it's on behalf of uh, a mission, an assignment that the Lord's given you in prayer you know, prophetically or, or whatever. And it's always going to be challenging mm -hmm. because you don't overcome without a challenge. Otherwise, you just walk right in and take it. Exactly. And who was I saying that to? If you don't fail, you can't grow. I don't like to fail. Not too many people in here are, oh yeah, pick me. But also, I don't like to lose. I'm, I'm a kind of a competitive person. I don't want to, and I also, I know Jay, don't even. I also don't like it when the little people in my life lose. I don't like that. I don't like it when they fail. I can't stand that. I'm just saying. But God needs for that to happen for us to grow. So yes, do everything you can to not fail on behalf of the Lord. But if something's coming up that, okay, that means God's trying to do something in you. If there's a point of failure, it's because he's trying to show you something that you didn't know was there that you need to overcome. You know, so you can't even look at failure as something as failure. Right. It's always on the pathway to strength. Yes, it's true. You know, it's a different way to make yourself think. Because if you do something wrong, you feel like a failure. Or you feel like you've let something... Da, 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 da. God's saying, it's okay, look, look, what am I doing here? This is what I need you to focus on, what's going on in your heart. All these things that we must continually pay attention to. 
The word wilderness is the word midbar. You guys probably remember that. And the definition, which I thought was totally uninhabited land, a desert, but it's also a pastor, pasture, which is where the pastor is in the pasture, because that's where he takes his flock to be fed. And it's, it's a midbar. It's a place of, uh, it's a place to be fed. So it's a little kind of an expansion of wilderness. Yes, yes, yes. But it's also a place to be fed. It's a place for growth. Um, you know, you again, look in the scripture, you can see that they use wilderness in a lot of places where it really talks about an uninhabited land. However, from our viewpoint, we are the ones that habit, that are habitating the land. What? We're inhabiting the land. Okay. Um, just no way. Thank you, everyone, for laughing at my great dialogue. Anyway, habitating in the land. <laughs> and so, you know, we're going to build on this. I know I'm taking a while to get there. But we look at, we look at um, the death. Go ahead. Uh, were you going to add the root? Please. I was about to. Go. A voice of one. I love it when you steal my thunder. It's no, my no, favorite no, I, thing. Well, I was just saying, because for anyone listening that is not familiar with the concept, mm-hmm. where we got the overcoming thing is because of the root that word that this is based on, which is debar, which is always talking about overcoming words that are applied that will overcome. So that's always going to be applied in a challenging situation because it's going to have to overcome something. And it's probably going to require from you, well, he's already got the really the strategy mm-hmm. that he says he oh. seeks him or he seeks God, his mm-hmm. God's heart early in the morning. Yep. She stole my thunder. Will you come up here and teach please? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. So yes, the word debar is the root word of midbar. So here I am again. Okay. When you study and you understand what the word is in Hebrew or Greek, and then you follow all of the meaning because it comes from a root word. It actually builds like a Lego, actually builds upon itself. You can see the definition and you're like, wow. Wilderness is not just, oh my gosh, I'm in the desert. It's 115 degrees plus and I'm going to die because I don't have water. And that's something else we're going to bring up that's interesting. You know, it's more than that. It's a place, a place to grow. It's a place to be watered. We're going to talk about that, like I said. Um, but also, it's like John the Baptist, because he was the voice of one crying in the wilderness. He was sending a message forth to the people, and he's still sending it today. How, how old is John the Baptist? Have we like, put years on his age? Uh, so his words are still true today. The things he taught the things that he continued to teach all through his lifestyle. It was not just a one, I'm in the desert, I'm in the wilderness for a day and now I'm coming out. I mean, it's, it's so much more than that. Where does the bridegroom come? The wilderness. Who's in the wilderness? We are. Who's the bridegroom? God, Jesus. Jesus is the bridegroom. And so again, Bigger, bigger picture than I can totally paint here right now. But back to this, a voice of one crying in the wilderness. So that is a voice that calls the undeveloped word forth. If, If we're talking desert, we're talking 
desolation. We're talking some place that has not been developed. You want to see people develop, go over to Saudi Arabia and see what they've done to their country. See what, see what the, what the UAE, United Arab Emirates has done with their country. They've built it up because they want to, they want to occupy the land. Well, guess what? We're occupying land on behalf of the Lord. We also want to build that up. So when we talk about the wilderness, it's, it's like I said, a place of overcoming. We don't want to be overcome. We're not going to be crushed, but we are going to crush the head of the serpent. We are going to crush the enemy. I don't mean to jump around. Go ahead. Well, in many ways, that's what the team is doing right now. The churches that they're going into are not churches that didn't love the Lord. Right. These are places where the word of the Lord was undeveloped. It was just in its infancy being given out mm -hmm. because nobody knew that there was anything deeper. And so the team has gone in and is very much, it is a wilderness situation that they're in. But they come in bringing the fire of God. They come in bringing the, huh. the grace of God. They come in bringing the life, the living waters, and they apply that and leave that up to the spirit then to do what he will with the word. And they begin to develop the word so that they see something deeper in there, not just for information, but to ignite their hearts. Right to ignite their hearts to, to be developed as sons mm -hmm. because we were never meant to just remain as infants in the nursery. Right. We're, and we're not meant to stand at the cross and cheer and just stand at the cross and cheer. I mean, there's nothing wrong with doing that, but that's not the only place that the Lord has designated for us to be. He didn't just say, you're saved, you're baptized just come and then every, you know, depending on where you go, some churches, all they talk about is being saved again and again. Right, Josiah? Because he was talking about that with me. Not last week. Yeah, it was last week. It, it, there's so, there's just, there's just so much more. Why would you come into the same place and hear someone say, Jim, you need to be saved. But Jim's already saved. Oh, Okay, eight, eight. Oh, Adrian's already saying. No, Zach. It's Zach. He's moved to Dallas. He's suddenly, <laughs> suddenly unsaved. <laughs> I know. I, I have to pick on him because he's here. So, you know, it is a, it's a developing, it's a place of development. It is a place where people need to learn, but people like to run away from it or rush through it. And so the prophetic word for the people in Brazil that are receiving this is you're in the wilderness. It's okay. Listen to the Lord. Don't run away or rush through it. There's things that the Lord is developing in you. And, and that's kind of a new, that's a new, that's a new thing for them. It's something we have learned though. I think in the beginning, I might not have been as sure, but now I know it's a good place to be. And I think another important aspect of the wilderness is it's either it's either going to elicit from each of us cans or can'ts. Yeah. I either can do this because I can do all things in Christ or I can't do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's easy to do all things um, through Christ who strengthens me when things are going okay or maybe a little below okay. But when things get really tough, where do you turn? Where, where do you go? What do you do? You know, and I'm not looking at anybody. The older you get, the harder it is to, to make yourself not do the things that you've always done. You know, not to slip back into this or, you know, I really like to do this. When I'm, I'm feeling really down. Let me put a movie on. I mean, things like that that I used to think a long time ago. 
you know, it, it's always, you're, you're, first of all, you're never too old to learn. Second of all, when you're in the wilderness, you're never too old to learn. <laughs> and it's, again, not a bad place to be. So, what's the one thing we're not supposed to do in the wilderness? And it's totally related to crying, the voice crying in the, in the wilderness. Murmur. Right? You're not, murmuring is not good. And here, here's why. Because it's an undeveloped word. And if you're murmuring, that's the word that will develop. So talk about, don't do self-talk, bad self-talk. <laughs> you want to go, like, get better help online, a psychologist that will talk to you. Anyway, we have the best psychologist in the world, by the way. We want to only speak what God tells us to speak. Murmuring is only going to destroy you. If you guys remember, why are you laughing at me? Why? Tell me later. Uh, if you remember the scripture that is in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 10.10, 10, it says, Neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured, and were destroyed of the destroyer. Your words matter. We've talked about that quite a bit. And the murmuring will destroy you in this walk. You want to you wanna go down? Okay, just start murmuring and complaining. Have I had a problem with that lately? Um, yeah. I'm just going to say, yeah. Am I in a wilderness? Yeah, probably I am. I need to recognize that, and I need to let Zach rub my neck more often, and everything will be okay. Um, but this is why, why we can't murmur, because when you do murmur, you know, it's, it's discontentment that's being spewed forth. It could even be confusion. So you know what you're supposed to do, and then you start walking, and you're like, yeah, and then something happens, and you're in this wilderness, and you're like, oh, my gosh. No. We have to stay on the, the, the path, the straight and narrow path, and not deviate. We don't want to perish in this place. <laughs> um, so let's look at the actual scripture, because the first part was just the introduction. Wow, that took me a little while. A Psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. And you know, he, like I said, he was around Judah a lot. Look up David and Judah in scripture, and you'll see that this is one of those, those places because he was near Israel. I mean, near Jerusalem, which is, was in the land of Judah. Um, and it says, O God, thou art my God. Early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in, the, in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. Okay, so we know that the God, the first word God is Elohim, and the second word God is El. So he's addressing Elohim, the plan, no, nope, the heart that God has for us. <laughs> Sorry. And then he's addressing El, which is still God, but in a more intimate fashion, a, like a one on one place. Now, I know, look at that and go, well, does that really make a difference? Um, I think it just means that all of David was, was, was talking to, to God. All of David was addressing Elohim. His heart was addressing the heart of the Lord overall. His heart was addressing, addressing the heart of the Lord directly for him. And that's, that's how I look at that. And it goes on and he says, early will I seek thee. So as Vicky said, early, 
early will he seek. It's like, you know, like, you know, we, we call it the bud crack of dawn. But what it means is before anything else, where am I going? Before anything else, where am I going to be? And, and David is making it very clear. I'm going to be seeking the heart of the Father. It also speaks to diligence. Yes. So you may not be able to do it mm-hmm. like at dawn, but... Diligently, yes. Diligently. Right, right. You're, there's a diligence to your seeking the Lord. Yeah, that word shakar is that word for seek, and that does make to look diligently for. In our, in our case, we're looking diligently for God. We're not looking anywhere else for answers. We're not looking anywhere else for to talk. or We're looking diligently for him. We're going to seek him. Sorry to keep interrupting. But no, you're that, not. The, the wilderness of Judah, that's oh. significant too because Judah was, the purpose of Judah was, was to uh, praise, to sow forward the praise of what God was going to do. And even in that, you think, oh, that's, that's a wonderful thing to do and that's easy. In the wilderness? Yeah, no. The wilderness of Judah, it mm-hmm. wasn't easy, but that was the purpose. That's what it was supposed, the fruit that was supposed to come forward from that. Yeah. I was going to say something, but I won't. Okay, so um, let's see. What are we saying here? We got, uh, my soul thirsts for thee. Okay, so we know, we know soul, what the word is. It's nefesh. Basically, the breathing part. I mean, I'm breathing. I'm a breathing being. But when you look at the word thirsteth, right? That's the first word, right? Yes. And it really, it just means to be thirsty, and you can use it in many a context. I know you're about to say something. So give me like, no, no, it's coming. No, no, I'm talking to Adrian. She's got something going on in her brain. She's going to speak in just a minute. You know, it, you can be thirsty for really literally anything. But most of us relate it to having, that, having water. Having living water is what we thirst for, for our soul. We, we need our, our breathing part of our being to have the supply of the Lord. And so that's what that word thirsty means. It's a verb too, by the way. Go ahead. And another way you could say that is the vitality of my, of my carnal mm-hmm. part of me suffers without you. That's right. Because when you talk soul, that is, that is, that is the, the carnal aspect of us. It, it really is. Even though souls you know, used everywhere and people go, we need to save souls and all that. It's that carnal aspect of us, the carnal nature of us. That's what soul really that's what it really means. And so the next part goes on and it says, my flesh longs for thee. So your flesh, I, I didn't write the definition down. Who's got the definition from flesh from Psalm 63? What, what did she say? Oh, here, Jay. I know what it means, but say it. It just means flesh, or... <laughs> wow. It doesn't say anything else but just flesh? Right. It's your person, um, the body, yourself, your skin. Okay. Words back to... Here, give it to Adrian. Messenger, preach. Did he just mess with you? Take, take the microphone. <laughs> Hit him with the microphone when you're done. Well, no, I mean, because it talks about from its freshness by extension, yes. the body of a person, but euphemism said the padunda of a man, yeah, that's you know, what the bodies, nakedness, self or skin, but mm-hmm. so that creative place. 
Okay. That, you know. So flesh, you know, it, it brings up the flesh that we feed ourselves with, as in lamb and beef and all that kind of stuff. So there is that measure, of, though, of creativeness. Will you quit distracting my student? Man, it is bad enough with all you people in here. Okay. So my fresh, fresh, my flesh longs. What about that word longs? That is an interesting word because this is the only place that this word in Hebrew is used in the entire Old Testament. Okay, go ahead. Fresh fish. Fresh flesh. Fresh flesh. Fresh. Fresh. <laughs> I'm, what I'm going to do is take the three of you. I know this triangle must be split apart. It's so nice your home, Zach, but egads. Okay. Um, <laughs> so the word long is it, it's to pine after, but it is that kind of, um, how am I going to say this right? It's our ultimate desire, because I wrote it down, because I said it right earlier, to be fulfilled within. Longing is that ultimate desire to be fulfilled within. Yes, oh, you, if you talk, you got to talk into the microphone because you could be listening somewhere else. Aunt Kay needs the, oh man, another family member. Really, Kim, we need to recruit more people, okay? <laughs> go ahead. I was just wondering on the, on the flesh part. Closer, Mike, there you go. Okay. I was wondering on the flesh part because it had two basars when you go to the, you know, Go on further. It says, "Messenger, preach good, tell good tidings for flesh. For flesh, roots too. Very good. I missed the first part. Yes, isn't that interesting? You didn't what? I wrote messenger, but it was so tiny that I was just reading. Can you get the microphone from your aunt Kay? She doesn't want it anymore. We might make it. Okay. What do you want to say? Because you have this look on your face too. Say it. Hand it to him. Okay. Can I just, I'll just look over here for a while. <laughs> Too many relations over here. Okay. Just kidding. Um, so, yes. So, your, your, your flesh is longing. So, back to the root word going all the way down to the whatever the bottom root word is for flesh, because I did not look that up, about a preaching. And what was the other definition you said? I remember preaching. Messenger. Messenger. Yes. Our, go ahead. I, I just think that's the innate creativity that God put within each of us. Yeah, it's back to what she said. Yeah, with whether we, we realize it or not, he put within us his breath and that creative desire to want to breathe on his behalf. And that would entail being the messenger of his heart. Mm -hmm. And so that within each of us is what is really longing for the Father in the midst, even though what surrounds us is everything that's languishing and mm -hmm. it's exhausted and it's not fulfilling its purpose. You know, even in the midst of that, there is something within each of us that if we will ignite that, allow it to be ignited, and we will have it developed it will be longing. I mean, it's longing whether we pay attention to it or not, whether right. we recognize it or not. It's there because God put it there. And boy, you can ignore it. You can absolutely ignore it, 
But there is a longing within each of us, and it's always for the heart of God. Because, and, and you know, look at this, and we start out, who is he talking to? You have to look at this all in the context of the heart of God. Your heart to his heart, his heart to your heart. It's the heart of God. So our flesh longs for thee, and it, and it goes on to say, in a dry and thirsty land. So dry means exactly that. It just means dryness. <laughs> There's no fancy definition for that, a desert place. But thirsty is not the same as the thirsty above where you are thirsting for something. This word means to faint, to be exhausted, or to be weary. So when are you weary? Well, that's one of the things I've been praying for the team in Brazil. They've been there for 10 days. Yes, 10 days. And they're, they are weary. And, and it's hard when you're away from home. I say that, but you have a home base. You have your own terio that God has designated you to be. Where, where is yours? <laughs> just kidding. I'm just kidding. Where, you know, what, what is your terio? So when you're not there, it is, it, is a little, it is a little more difficult. But the Lord has sent you to this place. So they're, they're, they're hanging on to God for dear life there. I'm just kidding. They're not that desperate. But it, it can be a very weary place. So that word thirsty doesn't mean I need some water. I, I, I do need some water. But it's not that kind of thirsty. It's, it's a different kind of missing, a different kind of an absence of, because you're, you're exhausted, you're weary. So David, just speaking to all of us really, but speaking to the nation of Brazil, he, he's saying, God is saying, this is what's happening. I am, I am the heart of God. That's what God's saying, not me. Elohim, the heart of God. I'm speaking to you, the nation of Brazil. Please, I'm saying please, but seek me in, in everything that you do. Seek me in your soul. Find me in, your, in, in the flesh. Find the, that longing of your heart towards me. And, and it will be fulfilled. Even in the place where it's weary and it really feels like it's parchy, dry, parchy. Right? Where Even where it seems like there's no water. In verse 2 it says, David says, from what the Lord is telling him, to see thy power and thy glory, so as I have seen thee in the sanctuary. David's making, I'm, I'm saying, a declaration. And he's saying, hey, this is the only place you want to be. I want you to see my power. I want you to see me as you see me in the sanctuary. Now, that's a, those are really nice words. But the sanctuary is like the secret place. It's like at the right hand of the Father. It's that place that we go into in the heavenlies. It's the, the, the tabernacle of the testimony of... What's the other T? Tabernacle of the testimony... Temple. Temple. Temple of the tabernacle of the testimony. There, I got the wrong words. You know, it's, it sounds like it's a made-up place, but it's not a made-up place. It actually exists. You can actually be there. When you are praying, you can actually be in that place. Everyone's had different experiences and visions and all that when it comes to that. But this is the place. The sanctuary is the place you want to be. So to see, ra'ah, 
Thy power. That's the word O's. Well, O's when I see it, because it's O-Z. That's an aspect of, of power and authority that God gives us as his sons. The creative, yeah, the creative measure. And then definition says might and strength. But you look at it in context. You can see that when that's there, there's a creative measure that's happening. There's a creativity that God is doing in that place at the time, at that time. So we, we see thy power and thy glory. We've talked a lot about the glory of the Lord, haven't we? That's the kabod. Oh, so many things happen in the kabod. So many things can happen in the kabod because God's there. That's his presence being an abundance being poured forth. Sorry. It's really the weightiness of his burden, the weightiness mm-hmm. of what he wants to do, the weightiness of his intent. Yeah. The heaviness you feel that when you know what his intent is, you have to be a part of it, seeing it come to fulfillment. Yeah. So this is the aspect of David with all the things that he went through. He had time as a king to write awesome psalms. It's not a very long psalm. Please feel free to go back and read it once again. But let's talk about another aspect of wilderness. And this is going to be the next scripture that we have. Josiah, make your way up here to get the microphone. So we know that Jesus started his ministry upon the earth. We know that. And his first encounter with the enemy was in the wilderness. So he understood what the wilderness meant and what it meant for him to go there. He understood this definition and what we've been talking about. Jesus, Jesus had it. Of course he did. Josiah, read John, please. John three fourteen through 17. And Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. Even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might through him be saved. Yeah. Now, did you know that, you know, how many times do we hear people just quote John 3.16? Okay, okay. But, you know, every time I start reading around that, I, I don't realize that it was said, that Jesus said it twice, that whoever believes in him will have everlasting or eternal life. He said it twice. One, and then right after it, twice. Say again, Josiah. 15 and 16. You can hand the microphone back to Sata. Thank you, Josiah. So then now I'm talking about the wilderness and looking at all this. And Jesus had an understanding, obviously, of the wilderness because he's mentioning his ministry is a wilderness ministry. Not many people preach about Jesus' ministry being a wilderness ministry. They really don't. You look at that. I'm not saying you haven't heard this before. I'm just saying it's not one of the top 10 Things, you know, Jesus will save you in the wilderness. I don't want to be in the wilderness. Save me out of the wilderness. But mm, he's very clear. Go ahead, Vicki. Oh, I thought you were going to say something. Um, So we got this Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. Now, everybody in here that knows me, you should know that I do not like serpents. Do I, Zach? What did we see when we came into Vicki's driveway? Yesterday afternoon, I did. 
I did not speed up to try to run him over. You have to run over his head, though, to kill him. But anyways, I did not, which is also very interesting because that's how you kill a serpent is to crush his head. Anyway, you know, the whole concept of what was happening in, in the Moses moment, you guys probably remember this, is there was like a battle between our, we're good. No, I'm, I'm good. No, no, Aaron, no, the people and serpents on a stick. And oh my gosh, we're going to die. And okay. Yeah. Right. There was all this stuff going on in the wilderness, a lot of death and dying and all that kind of thing. And Moses had to take his staff and there was a serpent and hold it up and people had to look at the serpent and then they lived. Right. Everybody remember that. Now, what would happen to me if I was there? I probably would have died. Okay. <laughs> Y'all don't think about this kind of stuff. I'm sorry. I just, I just do because I don't like snakes. So anyway, so um, Moses had to, to lift that up in the wilderness. So there was a place where the nation of Israel had to be saved by looking at this ser snake serpent lifted up. And that's exactly what had to happen to Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't like the two analogies because I don't like snakes, but that is what it is right there. What was so interesting about a snake? You look at the definition, it's ophis in the New Testament, which is, okay, ophis. That sounds good for me, a snake, ophis. Get out of here, ophis. But when you look at the definition, part of the definition of serpent is ophthalmi which is seeing, you know, the serpent, all seeing. Not exactly. Larry, can snakes see with their eyes? Can they see sharply, well, far away? What's the whole tongue thing about? Does that help them see too? Ah, to see what's happening, what's going on. Now, when you look at the word opus, it says to to. Mm. I'm going to slow down. <sighs> Finding the definition, serpent. It means to look at through the idea of sharp vision. A serpent. I can see how I would relate that definition to Jesus. Because when we look with his eyes, Everything is, is right there and easy for us to see and is in sharp focus. It's not a doubt. Did I just see that? It's not that. It's I, I know that. I see that. I know that. And, and Jesus goes on. The, the lifted up are both the same word in both places. And he says twice. Now, why does he say it twice? Does he want us to not forget it? I'm probably, you know, what do we say about double occurrences? That whosoever believes pistuo in him should not perish, should not be destroyed fully, but have eternal life. Eternal life and everlasting life are the same exact words. They just changed everlasting and eternal. Whatever. And then the famous John 3.16, for God so loved the world, agape, the world, the cosmos, are there other places in the world that are part of the cosmos, uh, in the whole universe? Okay, whatever. All of it's covered by the scripture. 
Want to believe in aliens? Okay, fine, whatever. It's all covered. <laughs> that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever pistuos in him should not be destroyed fully, but have everlasting life. Why? Because God apostelloed his son, apostolically sent his son to this earth to establish his kingdom. That's why he sent him here. Where's that word? Oh, yeah. For God sent his son into the world to, con to condemn the world. Mm. Sent not him. I'm going to get it right. To condemn the world, but that, he, but that the world through him might be saved. Sozo. I miss Zoe. Sozo. Everlasting life. Safe and sound, which I'm not, to be rescued. Wilderness, not a bad thing. Wilderness, good thing. And these are just two examples. Yes, ma'am. I'm done talking, so you please. Well, yes. it's interesting because um, I know I was raised, as most people are, that you think this is just, you just believe in Jesus and you get the gift of living in heaven. And this goes so much deeper. For starters, the word have is not about owning something. It's the oh. word echo. Oh, yeah. So it's talking about whatever God has deposited in you, mm -hmm. you embody, and then you demonstrate that. You repeat it back. You live it. It becomes who you are. And, and really, the belief is, is in what the anointed son came to do. He came to function as an anointed son and pattern the way that the rest of sons should, should live. Mm. So it, this isn't saying you don't live in heaven. I'm not saying that. Right. But this is a, it's not saying that's what this is about. That's right. It's, it's not that life, that vitality that is the fullness of what God wants to do. That lives in you beginning now mm -hmm. when you believe, and it, it becomes a part of who you are, and it continues on and on throughout perpetuity for forever. Forever. No beginning, no end. That's what everlasting is. Go ahead. And, uh, you know, this word perish, you said um, it is to not be destroyed fully. And that gives the concept that there's part of us that will be destroyed. Yes. But we won't be fully destroyed. We will, we will die to self. We, the things that are not to be will be taken out. Mm -hmm. So, but we will be saved not by what we do, but by who we are in Christ Jesus. Yeah. She doesn't want it. Um, you could also look at that parish as mm -hmm. render useless. Yep. So you, you know, it's a difference between someone that God can really use to, to advance his kingdom and someone that really doesn't have anything to offer. Mostly because you're not offering. Yeah. Not because there's nothing there. Mm-hmm. And the saved is really about being made whole. Yeah, it is. So I know this has been used as a uh, um, kind of like a poster for... And we've seen the poster held up during a football game or a basketball game. Yeah, as, <laughs> as this, is, this is how you get to heaven, you know. And, and it's, got, it's just so much deeper than that. God... Mm -hmm. He longs for something so much more than that from his children. He does. Than just people that'll line up and get their hands stamped and mm -hmm. then move on. You know. That will not be us. 
And I also declare that will not be the people in Brazil that have heard this message. That they will understand what wilderness means and, and embrace that and say, yes, I'm going to go through it all. I'm going to go through it all. One of the things trying to convince my sister was, no, just because I'm, just because I'm saved doesn't mean my life is easier. I don't know how to make that make you understand that, but her eyes could only see, you know, that I had a car and I could bring her food sometimes, and other, and it's like that's not because I'm saved. <laughs> that's because I'm, I guess, I'm blessed. But it's not, you know, it's not easy. Doesn't isn't part of the the equation when you're walking in Him. Because that wholeness is all, always supposed to be applied to what God wants to accomplish. Mm-hmm. That's what the wholeness is for. Whenever he brought someone back to full function or a wholeness of body, when Jesus healed them, it wasn't just so that they could have a whole body and live out the rest of their life doing what they wanted for themselves. It was always so they could apply themselves to the purpose of God, to what God was doing in that moment, in that time frame of that person's life. And from that point on, go and function in that way. Go and live your life fully applied to what I want to do, mm-hmm. not to what you want to do. Yep. You've got to be fully convinced, fully persuaded that God is God. I was just going to say, it's interesting, too, because the word for wilderness in the New Testament is different. Yes. Yes. It's ermos, and it talks about lonesome and waste or desolate, but it also goes on to say solitary, deserted by others, deprived of aid and protection of others, or a flock that's been deserted by its shepherd. So, I mean, just a very different perspective of where you're operating from mm-hmm. when you're without the protection of, I mean, whatever you thought that has been your point of protection and you realize this isn't really offering what I thought it was going to, that's when you go to the Father and you find your identity and you find your point of function and your point of wholeness because until you function, that's a lot of functioning, but until you operate, <laughs> you know, in that place of wholeness, then really it's like you've been abandoned. You know, mm-hmm. that's how it feels. It's like, okay, well, I've got, because the Spirit's within you and it's longing for more. And so it's like you have it, but you don't know how to use it. You don't know how it functions. And so it's, it's like having an item, but not having the instructions. So you don't know how to use the item. You're just like, okay, what's this? Because you see the kids who look at phones from the, you know, the 70s, and they're like, what is this? They're looking at it, you know, trying to figure it out. They have no idea how it's supposed to function. There are so many people in the church who have no idea how to function. They have no idea how to partner with the Father's heart. And so that's what God offered when he gave his son. He offered that opportunity to know our identity, to be restored to that point of power that we gain when we function our identity as mm-hmm. a son. Piggyback on that, there's that aspect of being abandoned. And then there's, we've come to learn that even in this walk, there's going to be times when you feel abandoned. Yep. But because we know who we are, because we know what God is doing, we don't give in to that. Yep, we can't let up. You keep your focus on, on what you're supposed to do. You keep your focus, your eyes on God, on the way he's moving, you partner with that. Don't murmur. And Right. Mm-hmm. And then that abandonment gives way to breakthrough into what he's doing and into life. But yeah. you can do that or you can focus on the abandonment. And then that's going to end up towards bitterness. And then you're not going to be functioning in the way you should be. You know, it, it, it's, an ama- it's an amazing walk. 
I mean, for me, I mean, I've not, I have not known the Lord from from day one. Um, I mean, it took me a while. I mean, I went to Catholic church, had this experience, that experience, blah, 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 blah. went away to college, had blah, blah, blah. then I'm more experienced. I mean, I used to sit at church after church, just sit in the sanctuary after everybody left. And I would just sit there and just wonder what God's all about. Because I was going to, I, I had this measure of understanding. And then God got me here. And it's just, it's just changed everything. And now we're just changing everything even more. So, yeah, feeling abandoned is going to happen. I was actually abandoned when I became a believer, right? Yeah, all right, it's a whole other story for another time. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this crowd we have today. I ask that you watch over each and every one of them, Father. I ask that you will speak to each one and every one of them in their hearts and in their minds, that they will know who you are and that they will know who they are in you. Father, I pray that over the nation of the entire nation of Brazil, specifically the, the churches that have heard your word, that have heard the, the furthering word of the Lord, where it's not just the power, it's the power, it's the glory, it's the honor of you that's living within them, that they will understand and walk through the desert place, through the wilderness, and find you in greater abundance and find their identity and their power in greater abundance because of that encounter. You are a mighty and awesome God, and I thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.